0: Welcome to another episode of The Raven Narratives. I'm Sarah Severson.
1: And I'm Tom Yoder. We are the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. The story you're about to hear was told by Gabriel Bernier in October at our events at the Mancus United Methodist Church and the Durango Arts Center when the theme was Belonging. These events were done in collaboration with the Mancus Creative District's We All Belong Arts and Society grant awarded through Colorado Creative
0: Industries. Gabriel lives in Mancos, Colorado, surrounded by friends and cats. He loves running or hiking in the woods and desert, although he misses the smell of the ocean and the lush mosses of the Pacific Northwest. Tasty food, good conversation, fall weather, close friends, a little romance, nice shoes, and wiffle ball. What else is there to a life well-lived? Ah, coffee. Here is Gabriel's story.
2: My dad was a complicated man. Uh, when I was young, he was awesome. He was right there playing wiffle ball with me and my friends. He made the best peanut butter and fluff sandwiches of any of my friend's parents. <clears throat> and as we got older, we started to approach those awkward pre-teen years. He was approachable. Uh, he was somebody that my friends could talk to when they couldn't talk to their own dads. Um, one night, my friend Jason was sleeping over. We <clears throat> were in our little sleeping bags on the living room floor. My mom had gone to bed, and my dad was puttering in the kitchen, fixed himself a nightcap. And Jason calls out, Hey, Mr. B, can I ask you a question? So my dad kind of ambles in from the kitchen. Sure, sure, yeah, what's up? Mr. B, have you ever had a blowjob? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did not want to hear the answer. Mortified. But, you know, my dad, like, he's just respectful, and he, can, he gave him that respect, and he engaged. It was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> For Jason. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and, and my, you know, my dad was like that with me as well as I got into college, and I'd come home, and, sit down in the kitchen table and and just I'd be telling them all my stories my you know my mind is blowing in those college years it's crazy you know and we'd sit and I'd sit there and have cheese and crackers out and there'd be the, the mail from the day and to do notes and stuff like that all like laid out on the kitchen table and my dad would, again puttering all he did it's like he was a professional putterer <laughs> puttering around the kitchen he would got like you know onions and peppers sauteing on the stove waiting for my mom to call and, and say she was coming home from work and we're just talking and engaging close connected it's beautiful beautiful years of my life <clears throat> but probably the the thing that my dad did that probably had the greatest impact on my life mm-hmm. um, was to have himself and my brother and I enrolled in the Bad River Anishinaabe tribe, something that his dad had not done. And say so it's in the kitchen, second grade, about eight years old, when we get this little green piece of paper. With my name and my tribal ID number printed on it, like typed out typewriter style. And I remember that and how cool it was because I was an Indian now, so maybe I'd get an Indian name. And I thought that was going to be awesome. Like, you know, maybe it'd be really. I had great ideas <laughs> about what that would be. They all kind of they all kind of sound to me now like cartoon superhero names, but. <laughs> When I was eight, they were awesome. <laughs> my family likes to remind me of that I wanted to be called Crimson Cucumber. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, um, that had um, much more impact than that. Ultimately, it shaped how like how I did all of my education after that when I was in. You know, studying U.S. history, like, attentive to what we were studying. Um, when I went into college, it was I was deconstructing the hegemonic discourse that was oppressing us all. And then, ultimately, I went to study um, anthropology in Montana, and yeah, I brought a lot of angst with me uh, into that. And so, as I was living this scholar life, I was also eyeball deep in this sort of countercultural, like, FU. And uh, so it was like, dumpster diving all my food, smoking a lot of weed, selling just enough to smoke for free. And I was making skateboards and selling those enough, like, just so I could pay my really low rent in a really dingy apartment with really weird roommates. <laughs> but I was proven to myself and to my family and to everybody that I could do all of these things. But I was failing hard in all of it. <laughs> I and mean, like miserable, depressed, and anxious. And So yeah, I talked to my dad um, in, in, this, in, in that time. And I, I didn't have a cell phone. Couldn't afford one. Uh, could Barely afford rent. Obviously couldn't afford food. Um, but I just remember like pacing around in that kitchen in that apartment, kind of dingy, it's like a patina of grime. And uh, my dad and I would have these great conversations. They were kind of great, but they were dark. Uh, he wasn't doing well either. Um, and I mentioned he was a complicated man. We'll, we'll get to that. Um, but we would talk about me coming back to Massachusetts and us fixing up the garage and we'd kind of fix up our own selves in the process we'd turn it into an art studio and we would come out strong And um, then I got a call from my mom um, that my dad was in the hospital and his uh, liver and kidneys were shutting down my dad was an alcoholic uh, so as much as he had shown up in my life, he had been absent as well. Um, and we didn't have a chance to make that, make that garage into our art studio. Um, I went back to Massachusetts. Spent about six months back there. And about three months in, he died. And um, that was my turning point um, where I needed to start rebuilding my life. And I knew that I needed to go back to Montana and finish school. And I was terrified. Uh, I didn't want to go back to what I'd created and get sucked back in. Uh, So I started looking for things that I could do uh, outside of that. I kind of built my exit strategy. And uh, so I started looking around. And I found this position at the Bad River Anishinaabeg Reservation. My dad and I had always talked about how cool it'd be to go. He never, he never went. And um, I never knew how I'd get there. But here I was. So I jumped in the opportunity, and I get, get up there, and uh, I was working on this garden project. And so one of the directors of the project, uh, she wanted to introduce me to this elder, uh, this man Bob Paulus. At the time, he was 83 years old, had all his teeth but one. And uh, <clears throat> so Becky brings me up to the, the front of the group. There's maybe, I don't know, 20, 25 elders having lunch. And it's like, kind of reminds me of my elementary school cafeteria the like stainless steel counter, and you kind of slide the tray along, and the splash guard, and the stainless pan with some fish sticks in it. And, uh,. <laughs> So we get some food and then Becky brings me up to the front of the room and introduces me. This is Gabriel Bernier. He's newest member of the Garden Project. And he's also a tribal member. From the back of the room, there's this fella sitting by himself, puts his hand up to his mouth. Tribal member my ass! <laughs> so. It's been a little uncomfortable uh, standing there in front of everybody. (laughs) And um, Becky, thankfully, kind of rolls her eyes and is like, come on. So she brings me over to introduce me to Bob Paulus, not the heckler, uh, thankfully. And um, we sit down and Bob says, have you heard the prophecy of the seventh generation? And I tell him I have not. And he says, well, basically, Anishinaabeg will return home with blue eyes. And um, those experiences, both the heckler and Bob, um, neither one of them um, was the only one to kind of hold their, their particular stances on, on my being there or my being a part of that community or not. <clears throat> uh, but Bob, he, he, he brought me into his world uh, in a lot of ways. My cousin, who I met there, uh, she and I were taking a language class with him. And he'd invite me to ceremonies. And one time we were sitting we were at his son's house. Uh, some folks were getting ready. We were all getting ready for a sweat. And uh, Bob and I were sitting at the kitchen table. And he's asked me about the garden project and how that was going. And then he stopped and said, I know what we'll call you Tagana Nini, Garden Boy. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Thanks, Gabriel, for that story. To pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives event, fill out the contact form on our website at ravennarratives.org. And we're currently looking for storytellers for our upcoming events in February of 2019, when the theme will be love.
1: Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and share these stories with your friends.
0: Big thanks goes to photographer McCarson Lee of Red Scarf Shots. Check out the portraits of our storytellers on the gallery page of the Raven Narratives website and be sure to visit her website at redscarfshots.com.
1: And thanks to our fiscal nonprofit sponsor, Mancus Valley Resources. Find out more about all the wonderful projects they support in the Mancus Valley of Colorado at mancusvalleyresources.com.
0: The website for buying Raven Narratives tickets, ravennarrativestickets.org, was created by Cortez Web Services. Find out how they can help your business online at cortezweb.com.
1: Our theme music was written, composed, and performed by Jazar. And you can find out more about his music on SoundCloud or at freemusicarchive.org. Now for the outtake.
0: (laughs) tasty food good conversation fall weather close friends a little romance nice shoes and a wiffle ball what else is there to a life well lived ah coffee does that go here's yeah that works here's Gabriel's story and it's
1: wiffle ball not a wiffle ball and wiffle ball (laughs) like the sport of wiffle ball not the actual item (laughs) and a (laughs) wiffle ball this wiffle ball this wiffle ball means and everything to me. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I my, don't have a my, wiffle ball. My grandmother gave me the wiffle ball. I don't want two wiffle balls. <laughs> a wiffle ball.
0: <laughs> this, one. this one. This very, very special wiffle ball. It's very, very, t- it's very I put it on my altar. It's it's uh, very wonderful. Yes. Okay.